last Thursday was our day at Bridge Builders Church to go to Planned Parenthood in Poughkeepsie and pray for pretty much for the day. It was it was a pretty neat experience. Uh, there were eight eight of us from uh, Bridge Builders that came, but there were also other groups of people who came during the day, which was really neat um, to be able to pray with some other churches uh, who were there. Uh, we got there fairly early in the morning, and two ladies um, that, from a church, they were telling us actually that next week was their week, but they, they come for an hour. Uh, I don't know if it's every day or every so often uh, to come and pray, but we were able to uh, pray with them. And then there were three other ladies later on came, and uh, one of them with their little uh, baby, and uh, we were able to, to pray with them also. So it was a, it was a very good experience. And uh, I just want to let you know, in the 40 Days for Life, which started September 28th, we're only about two weeks into that. So there are still uh, about, about four more weeks where at any time that you want to uh, stop at that Planned Parenthood and pray, you can. Uh, there will be other people there, but uh, I'm sure they'll do the same thing as pray with you like, uh, like we were praying with them. Uh, the enemy was there also. Um, we had uh, uh, two ladies that uh, they, they were on the same side of the street, but they came on the other side of the street. They weren't, I don't think, specifically coming for any reason other than I think they were going to the library or going shopping or something. They lived in the area. But uh, she let out a litany of curses at us for just because we were just standing there praying. That was it. And you could tell the anger that poured out of her and somebody that was uh, with her. And it was not only that, but then about half an hour later, she came back and did the same thing uh, all over again. And that's how you can tell that this is a spiritual battle. I mean, we, we didn't know her, and she didn't know us. And the, the anger in her that just built up over something that, Innocently, we we were doing, you know, it was just like standing there. We didn't know her at all. We didn't, you know, say anything to her, and yet um, she was cursing at us. Um, there was another lady that drove up in a car, and she had taken time to write this note out about how we were wrong and we were on the wrong side of the fence, and that uh, we were praying against an organization that really helps people plan. Uh, their uh, their families. So there's the deception that that's out there, and uh, there's not much you know we can do about that other than just praying. Uh, I'd like you to open to Genesis chapter one, and I'm just uh, going to skip through a couple of verses here very quickly before we pray. But uh, I want to start in verse ten. So uh, chapter one, verse ten. And it says, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, 
and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Let's skip down to verse 17. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Let's skip down to 21. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And skip down to 25. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. I want you to notice one thing in all those passages. Everything God created was good until he created man. And when he created man, he said that was very good. Life is so important to God. It's a very, very important thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you have created us in your image, in your likeness, Lord. That uh, in spirit, we are very, very similar to you, Lord. We look forward to the time that we're going to spend with you in all eternity. But we thank you for the time that you've put us here on this earth, Lord. And as we, as we do, we want to uh, just be a, a shining light for you so that people will see in the image of man that you have created that they may see you. That we may uh, bring forth the light of uh, your presence in, uh, to every person that we come in contact with. And we pray that, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. All right. When uh, I went to the Carinet dinner back in, I think it was April. It was April. Yeah, I, I, months go by so quickly. But 
when we were there, I, they had a speaker there. Uh, he was a, uh, a pastor. Uh, his name was uh, Pastor Enzer, but uh, he also uh, was instrumental in creating a lot of the CareNet pregnancy uh, things that uh, organizations that exist throughout uh, the country. And he told a story about this uh, family. It was actually a Hispanic family that had come to him, and they had 10 children. And wife was pregnant with their 11th child. And he came into uh, Pastor Enzer, and he said, uh, he came with his wife and he came with all the children. They were, I guess they were tearing apart the office while he was trying to minister to them. But uh, he listened to what they had to say. The, uh, the man was saying in, in broken English, and the wife didn't really speak any English at all, so she couldn't really understand even what he was saying. Uh, he was saying, we can't have another child. We can't afford it. We have 10 children. We're just barely getting by as it is. So we're thinking of aborting our, our, our 11th child. And uh, Pastor, he thought for a moment, and he said, well, listen, I, ha I have a solution for you. He said, how old is your oldest child? And they said, 15. And he said, well, instead of killing and aborting the baby, why don't you kill the 15-year-old? Because they eat a lot more food. Uh, they'll be going to college soon, and they're going to take a lot more money to, uh, you know, to, to go to college, and, and they usually want $100 sneakers, you know, so they're very, very expensive. This child in your womb isn't going to cost you that much. And he kind of got the point, and he turned around to his wife in Spanish and said, we're going to have the baby. And her eyes lit up. She did not want to have that abortion, but I guess her husband was saying, you know, we can't afford it, so this is about the only thing that we can do. But she didn't really want to have it. And if they had gone through with the abortion, that mother would have been, you know, she would have missed that child so so badly because you could see in her eyes that she did not want to, to do this, but they thought they were trapped, that there was just no other way that they they could uh, handle this situation. As it turned out, they were in this, uh, in this church, uh, Pastor Enzo's church, and the church, when they heard about, you know, the story of, of, of this, that they just kind of pulled together and they helped support this 11th child when the 11th child came, came along, and they did not have the, uh, the issues they, that they had. But um, he was trying to get across this point that we, you can never have an abortion because of finance, finances, because there's always a way that you can handle that. God does not want us to murder children because of money, you know, and that, that was the, the point. If we look back in history, and I love history, so this, this is you know, right up my alley, uh, we think back to maybe the uh, concentration camps that went on uh, in the 1930s. Uh, just before World War II, uh, in the early 1930s, and Adolf Hitler had taken control of Germany, and then, of course, most of Europe uh, in the next few years, and he, his, uh, the his goal was to annihilate the Jewish people, to just 
you know, completely wipe them out. And he created these concentration camps all, uh, all over in various places in Poland where uh, he had taken over that nation and in Germany. And the horrors that went on there, when we look back on it today, it's like, how could anybody have done something so horrible to people? You know, uh, and it wasn't this just to Jewish people because there were Christians who tried to help out the Jewish people. And, of course, if they were caught trying to help, they wound up in the concentration camp, too. And there were cultural things. Also, there were people who, because they were Polish or some other reason, they wound up in the concentration camps. But wherever these camps were, you know, people who lived near them could smell the, the disgusting odors that were coming out because they were burning the bodies. People knew what was going on, but nobody said anything. Nobody really did anything, and it went on. It went on for years. I mean, we we discovered a lot of this when we eventually uh, defeated Germany in the war, and we were going into some of the concentration camps and seeing, you know, people that looked more or less like sticks because they hadn't been fed for so long. And uh, the number of people that died were, were in the millions. But the point is that all this went on. And, you know, as we look back in history, we say, how could it have happened? And then in our own country, you know, back in the mid-1800s, we had uh, ships going over to Africa, landing and invading camps of the uh, African-Americans there and then capturing and removing from their families a lot of healthy young men to come and be slaves in our country. And again, when we look back in history, it's like how could we have ever thought that all of this was uh, okay? You know, and there were... Christian people who lived in the southern part of the United States that would actually purchase these slaves and use them uh, on their on their farms, you know, for cotton and stuff like that. So, you know, as we look back at history, we're just amazed at how man could have done this. And I think if the Lord tarries, years from now, people are going to look back on our nation and say, how could we ever have allowed abortion in our, in our country? You know, we're, we're a Christian nation, and it's like, how could you, you know, allow this when you really understand what goes on in, in an abortion? It's, it's something that we, we could not describe it because it's, it's so horrible. You know, science itself has proven that a baby in the womb feels things. It's, it's not like they're just, you know, a blob and, and there's, there's nothing there. There's a baby there, and that baby has, you know, feelings. When, when you touch the baby, the baby reacts. There's that picture that they have where the doctor went in to do surgery on, uh, on a baby in the womb. And I forget what the surgery was for, but his, his hand was in there doing the surgery, and the baby took his, his own hand and then grasped his thumb and just put his hand around his thumb. 
you know, that's a, a living human being in there and uh, the, the baby has all kinds of feelings. So when you go in and, you know, abort a baby, that, that baby does feel that. But we don't treat it that way. And that, that's some of the things that I think our, um, our, our society is, is going to regret in, in the future. And people are just going to wonder, how could, how could that possibly have happened? See, that, the lie out there is that it's a fetus, it's a blob, and it's really not a, a, a human person. Let's look in Luke uh, chapter 1. If we go to Luke chapter 1 around verse 42. back to verse 39. We'll start there. It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So Mary had just found out she was going to have a baby. Okay? And she's going to see Elizabeth. And what happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice it says that the babe left in her womb, not the fetus, not a blob or anything left in her womb, but it was a baby. Uh, if we go through Scripture, there are many times in Scripture where if someone was pregnant, okay, it was what was referred to in the womb was a baby, okay, nothing else. Uh, the the Bible really shows us that there is human life within the womb. And that agrees with science, because science uh, agrees with that too. So that lie out there is as what, as what it is, is a lie. Um, Jesus calls human life sacred. Let's look at Matthew 22 and verse 21. This is uh, the story of when the Pharisees try to fool Jesus and, and to, they try to trap him and they're trying to show him a coin and they're hoping that Jesus will say that something about the coin that they could uh, arrest Jesus for saying. But he, he says, um, says, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. What things are God? We are God's. We, we belong to God. We have his image imprinted in, in us. And that's from the time that we are in the womb. It's a real insult to God to take what belongs to him and kill it. We have no right to do that. Just, just like in real life, you don't have any right to kill somebody that, uh, 
that you just don't happen to like for, for some reason. All right? God doesn't give us the right to do that. The same reason the image of God is imprinted in this, uh, um, this baby that is in the womb. And we have to live you know, uh, with that in, in mind. Let's go to Psalm uh, 139. And this is a scripture that we hear very, uh, very, very frequently, starting in verse 13. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's wound. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Okay, so I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus forms us in his image and in his likeness right in our womb to, to start with. Okay, and, uh, you know, David proclaims that in the Psalms. So what can we do? What can we do about this? Let's, let's look at Luke chapter 10 and go to a very uh, familiar story. Verse 30. And Jesus is telling a parable. Okay? And, of course, a parable tries to make a point. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed... He took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. And then he goes on to say, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Let's go back and take a look at, first, the priest. The priest walked by. Okay, a man that had been violated in some way. He had been uh, uh, injured, all right, and walked by without doing anything. Now, when I think of the priest, it doesn't mean the fact that he walked by, that he was in favor of violence. He wasn't in favor of this person being hurt. Same with the, um, the Levite. The Levite was not in favor of, of violence and of this person being hurt. But he didn't do anything about it. Okay? And that was the, that was the difference. The Samaritan came along and uh, he did something about it. And I think God's telling us something in this parable that we might be pro-life in 
in our spirit. In other words, we know that we're against uh, abortion, but we might not really be doing anything about it. And I think what God is trying to tell us here is that he may be leading us to do things uh, as far as being in favor of life and against abortion. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not referring to that we all should have been at Planned Parenthood on Thursday and prank. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But God can lead you into doing certain things that can, uh, well, let me look at, say it this way. I look at the church sometimes getting comfortable with the status quo. You know, this law permitting abortion in our country started in 1973. So we're like 40 some odd years into this law. And how much outcry is there from the church in regard to this law? Back in 1973, there was no outcry at all. Today, we do have some organizations. The 40 Days for Life that we are involved with right now is an organization that is fighting it through basically through prayer and fasting and um, you know marching in front of Planned Parenthoods. And there are other organizations out there. Sometimes when I look at the church in general, though, I feel like we're just comfortable with it. Not that we're we're not pro-abortion, but but we're comfortable with the fact that, you know, it's there, it's a law, and, you know, we'll have to live with it. So I think we need to be praying in the sense that, Lord, asking God, what is it that you want me to do in regard to abortion in our country? Because it is a travesty. It, it's, it's a horror. You know, there's a lot of things I think that God wants us to praying about and, and helping with. You know, there's, there's the homelessness, there's hunger, there's disease. Um, these are all things that are a result of chronic poverty within, you know, within our nation. And not saying that, you know, we push all of those things aside, but I think at the top of the list of things that we really need to be crying out to God for is abortion. And I, I think there are many scriptures that show that God is really being merciful to us, that he has allowed this to go on in our nation for, you know, like I said, the 40-some-odd years and has not really, you know, taken our nation to task over it. Um, you know, think back in the time of Noah and, you know, the uh, the people who lived then were not too good and you know God eventually said enough is enough you know when is God going to say enough for as far as our country a scripture um, showing the seriousness of this goes into Exodus 23 7 you can turn there if you want I'm just going to read it I actually wrote it down so I don't have to find it he says in Exodus 23:7, "Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked." OK? 
Okay, it's, it's, it's a very serious thing. And Proverbs 24.10, and that one we'll have to turn to, because I didn't write that one down. Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? I don't think God wants us to passively accept this as routine. You know, it's, it's a law in our land, and, and we just kind of go along with it. Now, it doesn't mean we break the law either, but we have to find out, Lord, what do you want us to do individually and maybe as, as a church? What is it that you want us to do? I want to give you some statistics, and they, and they, they are what they are, they're statistics, There are 45 million abortions every year in the world. All right, not just talking about our country, but in the worldwide, 45 million children are killed. And we know it is a profit-making business. Okay, uh, Planned Parenthood uh, makes over one billion dollars a year. Okay, and about one third of it comes through abortions. And now, God says that a tree is known by its fruit, and that's the fruit of Planned Parenthood. This one startled me. One-third of all American women by age 45 will have an abortion. And I, I, was, I was flabbergasted by that. And it's a statistic, so you can't argue with it. And one-half of them will live experience physical complications because of it. Abortion has effects on not only the baby, obviously, but on the woman and on the men. And these were some of the effects. Number one, for the women, it destroys intimacy because it's blood guilt. It breaks down uh, a talking between a husband and wife. In other words, the conversation between a husband and a wife is stilted because of it. Most couples in marriage to have abortions break up. And it does sow seeds of anger, bitterness, and shame. Pastor Enzo was talking about... Uh, a sermon he had given in his church. And uh, it had to do with blood guilt and life and death and stuff. It wasn't specifically about abortion, but it led to people who had had abortions realizing that they were, that they were guilty. And, you know, he felt he had an average church of a couple of hundred people and you know, he didn't think there was any issues as far as abortion was concerned until he gave that sermon. 
And then uh, he found out that there were many women uh, in his church that had had abortions, like like one-third of his church, one-third of the women in, in his church. And uh, the some of the couples, although still together, uh, had issues still, you know, from 10 years back and 20 years back because the husband had forced the wife to have an abortion because of money issues or something in that realm. And the wife still hadn't forgiven the husband. And, of course, this caused all kinds of issues uh, in, in, their, uh, in, their, in their wedding, in their, in their marriage. And finally, for women, it destroys the essence of femininity. Eve means mother of all children. And as a mother, you protect your children. You don't murder your children. So it destroys that essence. To man, it destroys masculinity because you're the provider, you're the protector of your family. And here you are killing one of your own children. It eliminates the sense of responsibility. You know, men can be free to do whatever they want because if a baby comes along, then we'll, we'll just kill a baby. So they don't no longer have that responsibility to be careful and not maybe have sex outside of marriage. Okay? So all of these are the effects of that. And I, I, I present that because it gives us ways of praying for it. You know, when, when we pray against the laws of abortion, we also need to pray for the people that have had them so that there is repentance. Because remember, God can forgive all this. All of this can be wiped away through God's forgiveness. But you have to admit that you've had an abortion and then, of course, uh, you know, live under God's repentance. But all of those anger issues and, and bitterness and different things that can come about through that can all be covered under the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that can cover the blood of the, uh, uh, the unborn. Remember what God says, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Those are the things that, that, we, really need, uh, that we really need to do. And going back to the story of the Samaritan, God says, go and do likewise. It's our turn here in our society to do that, to go and do likewise, to go as the Samaritan did and do something, whatever God uh, is showing us to do about this issue in our country. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have shown us here, Lord. We pray, Lord, that, that you speak to our hearts. We cry out to you over this issue, Lord. It's a, it's a real black thing in our, in our society, Lord. And we know it's not society that's going to change it. It's going to be you, Lord, through the prayers of your saints here in this country. So, Lord, uh, we pray that 
will show us things that you want us to do. And that this will be in the forefront uh, of our prayers. That as, as we uh, lift you up each day and, uh, and you know, spend time with you, that we also lift up this issue in our nation, Lord. We do continue to pray for your mercy. We thank you uh, that you have given us, that you have been merciful to us through all of this time that this law has existed, Lord. We do pray for all of our legislators, Lord, that they would realize uh, the uh, enormity of this situation, Lord, of the severity of it, Lord, the seriousness of it in your eyes, Lord. And that as they do, that uh, they will open their minds and hearts to uh, changing the laws that permit these horrors, uh, this travesty in our country. We pray for them, Lord, that, uh, uh, that you would just put it on their hearts to, to move on this, Lord. Not to just say, oh, yeah, it's, it's a terrible thing, but to actually want to do something about it so that uh, this, this will end. We do pray for uh, the many who have had abortions, Lord God. We pray for those women, Lord, uh, and the men that have uh, uh, asked them or forced them into having an abortion, that, Lord, that they will seek your forgiveness so that they can be whole again, Lord, that, that they, could, they would not carry this guilt that can affect uh, their, their lives, Lord, that they would not carry that through the rest of their lives, Lord, but that they uh, would release that and be covered under your blood. And uh, we thank you for what you are doing and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.